0: Thank you ladies. We're gonna dismiss children for children's church and that's ages four through first grade. And you can follow it's Jill Hill out the north door. Well, in our society, one of the signs that Christmas is on the way is the lights that go up, right? It was about two weeks before uh, Thanksgiving, I was down by hy Barlow, and there's a guy up there, you know, with a stick trying to put the, the lights around the big cr- tree down there in the parking lot. And week in, week out, more and more lights get added in our neighborhoods, Right? Some are, you know, very basic, just kind of on the roof line. Some are very colorful. Some are crazy, you know, blinking and just, uh, you know, almost a light show could give you a seizure, I guess, for some people. But, you know, light does something for us, right? I mean, especially as the days get shorter and the nights are longer, it has a sense of beauty, a sense of warmth. A sense of guidance, a sense of hope. And the Christmas story itself is full of light, right? A star that guides men to the baby. And the glory of God that shone all around as the angel announced the newborn king. You know, even for those who want to mix the Christmas story with Santa and frosty, or even they want to eliminate the baby, if you will. Still light beckons to us. Is there something greater out there that wants to connect with us? Is there someone or something greater out there that cares for us and and is going to guide us? Is there someone or something greater out there that can come and deal with with our darkness the darkness that's in the world the darkness of the pain that we experience and maybe even the darkness that each one of us experiences as we look at our own heart you know it's interesting the first words that God spoke in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 is let there be light the message of Christmas is that God has sent His light into our darkness to dispel it. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. I'd like to pray for us. And if you want to open up your Bibles, we'll be in Isaiah chapter 9 this morning. But let me pray for us first. Lord God, uh, Christmas means so much in so many ways but ultimately it means that you've come and you have shown your light on our darkness so would you give us eyes to see today would you enlighten our hearts and bring the light and the truth of your word but also the warmth and the grace and the beauty that you want to bring to us Knowing that God came for us. Lord Jesus, our beautiful Savior, it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Christmas is about the fact that a light has dawned. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the darkness, and some translations go, those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. These words came about 750 years before Jesus showed up on the scene. A prophet, Isaiah, during a dark time. It wasn't a time where the sun was necessarily not seen. Things were overcast. No, it was a current reality of a diminishing kingdom. They were losing ground to other nations. There was uncertainty in the future. What would the other nations do? What would the future hold for the people of God? And here was also what was happening. A time of darkness because... The people of God were failing to pursue Him, even though He had revealed Himself. For 1300 years, He had pursued them, calling them, sustaining them, delivering them, and yet they had become unfaithful, unbelieving, untrusting, distracted, and disobedient. In the Bible, darkness symbolizes both evil and ignorance. A sense of gloom. And even during Jesus' day, what did the world look like? It was violent. There was injustice, abuse of power, homelessness, refugees fleeing oppression, families ripped apart, bottomless grief. Frankly, it sounds like our six o'clock news. And I'm not kidding you. Things have not changed over the last two thousand years the world can be a very dark place and yet there is a promise of light but here's the problem here's the problem the light cannot be generated within ourselves the light cannot be generated within ourselves If you have your Bibles open to Isaiah chapter 9, just look above in chapter 8. This is what it says starting at verse 19. When someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritualists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? Consult God's instruction and the testimony of warning. If anyone does not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged and look up and will curse their king and their God. And then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom. And they will be thrust into outer darkness." So, what's going on here in this passage? People are looking towards their own resources to dispel the darkness. If you look up at verse 19 in chapter 8, they're consulting mediums and spiritualists, supposed experts, if you will, rather than to inquire of God or to consult God's instruction and in the testimony of warning. And remember, this is a people that has. God's word. And so the result is verse 20 at the end of 20. They have no light of dawn. They're distressed and hungry and they will roam through the land and and when they are famished they will become enraged and look up toward God and will curse their king and their God. They'll look up, shake their fist and say God you did this to me. You brought this on me. You're God. Look what you did. And then it says, again in verse 22, they will look toward the earth. Again, their own resources. And the results, and see only distress, darkness, fearful gloom, and they will thrust into outer darkness. Folks, if if history teaches anything to us, for all of our technological advancements, for all of our education for all of the government systems that world has produced even the higher standard of living that we enjoy today we are still not able to generate our own light we still have darkness within ourselves <laughs> well, let's just take a cursory glance hey i love technology it's great it's convenient but I walk around worried about somebody's going to steal my password or steal my identification, right? I love democracy. I think it's a great thing. <laughs> but if you look at our own government right now, they're locked up in partisan politics, people protecting their power, they're not serving the people. Our government's not going to save us, folks. If you look at education yeah, we know more, doesn't make us better people. In fact, I think sometimes our educational system has contributed to the fact that we don't know right from wrong because it's all relative. A man named Vyklav Havel, he was the first president of the Czech Republic, had a very interesting perspective, right? He came out of what happened with Nazi Germany saw that science and technology that was not guided by moral principles brought about the Holocaust. As he went through communism discovered that that did not bring about the harmony that he thought would take place. And then when the, the Cold War finally ended and capitalism or democracy came in found out that that was wanting as well. And this is what he says The pursuit of the good life will not help humanity save itself, nor is democracy enough. A turning and seeking of God is needed. The human race consistently forgets that he is not God. The human race consistently forgets that he is not God. We cannot save ourselves through our systems, our technology, our education. And then there's the personal level. We get the macro level. Now here's the micro level. There's the darkness that's in each one of us. Hey, I'm a pastor. I get paid to be good, right? But if I look at the darkness within me, it's there. Yesterday I picked up my daughter Madison from a choir uh, thing she had to do, and I was out in Byron. And as I pulled out of the Byron High School, you know, the, the speed limit goes from 60 to 40 to 30, you know. So I pull out. I'm picking up about 55. And there's this guy comes screaming right behind me, you know. So I pick it up to about 55. I start slowing down, you know, when I get to the 40 area. And he is right up against my tail. And I'll tell you, this is what your pastor thought. Hey, meet me at the intersection. We'll see who's going who's gonna to come up on my tailbone. That's what your pastor thought. I didn't say that to my daughter. I didn't say, hold the wheel, Maddie, as I go out. I wanted to. But you guys, that just shows the darkness in me. That was my pride. That was my foolishness. The 19th century... Christian apologist and writer G.K. Chesterton was asked to write a an article in the London Times about what's wrong with the world. Chesterton, always being thoughtful and a man, I guess, of economy of words, wrote this. What's wrong with the world? I am. Securely, sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. You see, we can't save ourselves because the darkness is inside of us. But the good news is, the light that has come into the world is greater than our darkness. And that light is a promised child. If you're in Isaiah chapter 9, go down to verse 6. For to us... A child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. It's not just a promised boy. Little boys are born every day. Precious, made in the image of God, every one of them. There's nothing unique. And there has to be something different about this child that he could deal with our darkness. Something unique, and there is. And the titles are only befitting that or those of one who is the God of the universe. So let's start there with this list. Mighty God. Someone who is the Creator. The one who speaks, and it comes into being someone who says, let there be light. And there is. The Gospel of John explains it like this in chapter 1. Through him all things were made, speaking of Jesus Christ, the Word. Without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He's the mighty God for whom nothing is impossible, nothing is too difficult, even dealing with our darkness. And we need that. The next title is Everlasting Father. Again, it speaks to someone who is there, who created from all of eternity. But Father also means that He's someone who wants to have relationship with us. And in the union of the Godhead between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, Jesus was one with the Father before all time. Again, the Gospel of John, the first words, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There's a relationship there. And Jesus, later on in his earthly ministry, will say, I and the Father are one. In fact, someone asked Jesus, Jesus, just show us the Father, and it's enough. And Jesus says to to Philip, who asked the question, Do you not know me? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're not the same person, yet they are one. I don't have time to unpack all the mystery of that. But Jesus, the Son of God, is the entryway to the Father. As Jesus will say, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. To know Him as Father for all of eternity. And then the next title, Prince of Peace. And when he says Prince of Peace, it doesn't mean a peaceful, easy feeling. Rather, it is to be the source of all reconciliation between God and man, between man and man, between men and women. That's the peace that was announced by the angels when they said, Glory to God and peace on earth toward men on whom God's favor rests a reconciliation where there once had been hostility because of our rebellion, our choice to do our own thing, our choice to shake our fist at God and say, I'll do my own thing. I'll look to my own resources. Thank you. God makes the first move to reconcile us to Himself. And He does it by sending the Son, the Prince of Peace, to live the life that we can't live To pay the price on the cross that we cannot pay for our sin. And then to conquer a foe that we can't conquer in rising from the dead. The Apostle Paul explains it like this in his second epistle to the Corinthians chapter 5. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. That prince of peace is the one who's brought reconciliation between ourselves and a holy God. It brings reconciliation amongst us. That's why we can forgive one another. That's why we can have peace with one another. But now the first shall be last here in this list. Wonderful Counselor. Wonderful Counselor. Yes, Mighty God, who has all wisdom, who knows the beginning to the end, who knows where all of history is going. Yet, God who put on flesh and dwelt among us, who lived this life, who entered, if you will, into our darkness. I want to to read the words from Tim Keller in a book called Hidden Christmas. And, And by the way, if you're looking for something that's a great meditation on Christmas, I highly recommend it. But this is what he said, especially in light of Jesus being our wonderful counselor. He says, if you're going through something difficult, it's good to talk with someone who has walked the same path, who knows personally what you've been going through. If God really was born in a manger, we have something no other religion has. It's a God who understands you from the inside of your experience. There's no other religion that says God has suffered. That God had to be courageous. That knows what it's like to be abandoned by His friends. To be crushed by injustice. To be tortured and to die. Christmas shows that He knows what you're going through. And when you talk with Him, He understands. And then Keller goes on to say, He had infinite highness of being Almighty God, yet He became one of us. A meshed, In our condition, in order to know our darkness. And He saved us by going to the cross. And He did it voluntarily, freely, out of sheer love. That is beautiful. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 27, verse 45, as Jesus is dying, you know what happens? Darkness covers over the earth. You see, what's happening is a physical demonstration that the light of the world has descended into our darkness. And had God the Father turn His back on us so that God the Father wouldn't have turn his back on Jesus in order that he would not have to turn his back on us see Jesus descended into our darkness that he might call us into his marvelous light as we sang earlier the truth out of 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 4 so what do we do to become a child of the light or respond to that respond to that light Let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. To us a son is given. The light is given to us as a gift, it is given to us as a gift. And again, there's nothing you or I can do to generate the light in ourselves. We can't do it. It has to be received as a gift. And that's quite humbling, isn't it? That's humbling. Because we like to be self sufficient, we like to do it ourselves. It says we can't do anything, we can only receive the light. And here's the other thing too. As you start to interact with that life, it let light it reveals some of your darkness, some of the ugly stuff we don't want to be seen by ourselves let alone anyone else. It exposes our darkness. Gospel of John again commenting on this. Says in chapter 3 verse 19, and this is the verdict. That the light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear of their deeds being exposed. You see, some will reject the light. They'll reject the light because they don't want to have their deeds exposed. They don't want to deal with the truth. But again, the gift is given. And all we can do to receive it is receive it. Speaking of Jesus as the light, let me quote one last time from John. The light that has come into the world, speaking of at verse 11 and 12 in chapter 1, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, To those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. (laughs) What does it mean to believe in his name? Well, certainly it means to take him seriously. What he said. But I want to tell you this. Lest you misunderstand. What Jesus has to share with us is good news, not good advice. Here's what I mean. He's the Savior. We're not. He's not giving us good advice how to live this this life and then, then go and follow me and you'll find your own light. No. I am the light. I need to shine into your life. I need to come and change you. And we need to have confidence in what He has done. Living this life going to the cross, and conquering death. We need to take Him up on His invitation to receive Him, to come and change us, and give us His light, to replace our spiritual darkness with His life, to be born again, if you will, to give us a whole new nature, or as in 2 Corinthians 5.17 to become a new creation. See, that's the light that He brings into your life as you receive Him. As you would put your faith in Him. And when He does that, He starts a whole new process of showing us our spiritual blindness, of healing us, and the gift, the gift of making us more like Jesus, to transform his, us into His images, Romans chapter 8 talks about. And you know what else happens? You're forgiven. And you're given legal standing before Him as a child of God. What an amazing thing. I'm no longer a child of darkness. I am a son, I'm a daughter of the living God. We have a new nature and a new Father. (laughs) And that brings eternal life. In That familiar verse, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He's a Father that gives us everlasting life. But again, He is our wonderful, Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Remember I I shared at the beginning as we were looking at verse 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great life and those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You see, our wonderful counselor, he'll even walk us Through the valley of the shadow of death, because he's conquered it. He's conquered it, and he he is our prince of peace, that we might be reconciled to him. Let me ask you: Where are you at today? Are you busy trying to generate your own light? Are you thinking of I just try harder? i just more diligent. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. You can stop trying. You can invite Him, invite the light into your life to change you and transform you and give you His life. It's happened to so many of us in this world. Are we perfect? No. Are we still in process? Yes. But we're not who we used to be. I think many of us are grateful for that. What about us who know Him already? (laughs) Who've already received the light, if you will. During this Christmas season, I want you to shine. He wants us to shine. Well, that's great, Pastor. Well, what does that mean? Well, you know, if you're a person familiar with the scripture you might think about what jesus said in the sermon on the mount that of good deeds matthew five sixteen: let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven and that's great do it boy if, you know if you're excited about your relationship with with god and want to shine in him in loving others do it that's awesome But this is a little more internal, maybe a little more thoughtful. But I hope it's helpful. I know I'm going to sound like I'm saying the same thing, but I'm going to say it again. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. What I mean by that is rejoice in the fact that the light has come into your life. It has dispelled your darkness, given you a whole new destiny, given you a whole new identity. And you have His light shining in you. I don't think we rejoice in the joy of our salvation enough. I don't think we preach the gospel to ourselves enough. We need to do that, especially in this Christmas season. And I hope you're going to be here next week too, because I'm going to talk about what it means for God to be with us, Emmanuel. And that's something much more to rejoice in. But rejoice. Let His light shine in you. And I I just want to challenge you with this verse that I've come across just recently, reading through the the gospel. I guess it is the gospel. There's a gospel in there. The book of Isaiah, chapter 60. And this is what it says. And it's really an anticipation of the kingdom of God being fully realized But if you're in Christ, the kingdom of God has already started in you. And it says this in these first two verses. Arise, shine for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Rejoice. Rejoice that the light has shined upon you. Yeah, our world is covered with darkness. But He has shined on you. And you know what? If you will rejoice in that, I think you can't help but shine that around to the world that's around you. I want to say this one last thing. Sometimes we feel like we're overcome by the darkness of this world, even as Christians. Pain, hurt, sorrow, even depression. One of the things that you can rejoice in, again, is that He is your wonderful Counselor. And He is going to walk with you through that darkness. And that darkness is not going to last forever. But as you walk through it, He will be with you. He has come to be your light when all the lights have failed. And walk with you. Jesus' words, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. this Christmas season as you look around and you see the lights I pray there will be a reminder that His life has shined upon you to show us the way to show us the truth and to give us His light the light has dawned let me pray for us and then Aaron, you and the worship team come and close us Lord Jesus, I thank you that you are the light of the world that has entered into this dark place where we were lost, we were ignorant, and a world full of hurt, sorrow, pain, and wickedness. And you came to shine your light on us, to show us the truth. But you came also, Lord, to be our light in our life, because we don't have it within ourselves. So I thank you for coming for us, for making a way. And Lord, as we have an opportunity just naturally by this season, to talk about what it meant for you to come, I pray that you would give us the grace to shine the light of your gospel to a world that desperately needs to hear it. Indeed, your coming is not great advice, but it's good news. Good news for our hearts. Good news for us to find our rest in you rather than our own strivings. And so, Lord, if there's somebody today who is striving, who is trying to generate their own life, would you give them the grace to turn to you, to call upon your name, that the light may enter their life, change them, give them a new identity, a new destiny, and a new life. Lord Jesus, in your precious name I pray these things. Amen.